Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 120 of the GDPR Weekly Show. Before we start on the contents of this episode, I'd just like to remind you of our special episode, episode 119, which you can find on all the usual podcast channels or on our website at Insurity by going to www.insurity.co.uk backslash podcasts or on your usual podcast provider. If you've not yet had a chance to ever listen to that episode, I do recommend you do. We've got lots on it in the change to GDPR coming into effect from the 1st of January and what quite you need to do. And as pointed out in the press this weekend, that, that if there's no agreement, then this breakdown of GDPR between the UK and the EU could cost businesses somewhere in the region of £1 billion to £1.68 billion. So do have a look and see what you need to do. And if you need any additional help, of course, please do reach out and contact us. So moving on now, in episode 120, we begin with some COVID-19 related articles. The first one being, is your employee privacy notice pandemic proof? And then we move on to look at the retail and leisure market and the GDPR considerations that you need to put in place on your return of all your employees and, and of course, customers after the lockdown across England. We then leave COVID-19 and indeed Brexit and have an update on the Manchester United data breach. We then have news that Spotify is resetting passwords after a data breach and also that security provider Sophos has itself confirmed a data breach. We then move to France where Carrefour has been fined two and a quarter million euros after multiple GDPR infringements. And we then go to Scotland where NHS Highland has had its second data breach within 18 months. We then travel to Bristol, where Bristol City Council has had a data breach of children with special needs. And then we move across to Hampshire, where there's been a second data breach at the Hampshire Hospital's NHS Trust. We then move to Birmingham, where the Headlam Group has suffered a data breach this week. And then we then move right to the other side of the world, to New Zealand, where New Zealanders have been warned after there was a data breach at Nitro PDF. We then travel back to Europe and specifically to Italy where Vodafone Italy have been fined 12 and a quarter million euros for multiple GDPR breaches. And then finally this week we have a reminder from the Financial Conduct Authority that companies within the financial sector have obligations about data which are given in the FCA handbook as well as their requirements under GDPR. And so it's important if you're in that sector that you're complying with both sets of regulations. So as always, a wide range of articles in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. We hope you find the articles useful and informative. And as always, if you have any feedback for us, do please email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive, but we don't have time, unfortunately, to reply to each piece of feedback individually. Stay in. Stay safe. We've mentioned several times in recent episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show about the importance of gathering data from your employees relating to COVID-19 and what data you can gather and how you should store it. But the one item we haven't really covered is the need to update your employee privacy notice. As hopefully everyone listening to this show will know, under GDPR you need a separate privacy notice for your employees to the one that you have for the general public which is on your website because employees cannot give voluntary consent to the use of their data 
although there are now some exceptions to that, as we mentioned in last week's episode of the GDPR Witcher Show. But Top ID 19 has brought with it very real need to add things to your employee privacy policy. And there's two ways of doing that, because unless your privacy policy has been written since the end of March 2020, or it's been updated to take these into account already, which in I would guess in 99% of the cases probably isn't going to be true, then you do need to make these additions. Now, there's two ways of doing this. You can either amend your employee privacy policy, insert some extra paragraphs, and recirculate your employee privacy policy to all employees, but that's a bit cumbersome. Or probably a simpler way, and now recognised as being a suitable way by the ICO, is to create an addendum to your employee privacy policy, and you then just circulate that to all your employees. I would personally recommend that you email it to all your employees and where your email system allows for it to check receipt. And in addition to that, if you have a company intranet, then put a copy of the addendum on your company intranet somewhere that it's easily found alongside your employee privacy policy. So what does this addendum need to cover? Well, firstly, it needs to cover the lawful grounds for processing this extra data. And you'll be able to choose to justify processing COVID-19 cases or symptoms within its workforce, either for the purposes of your legitimate interests or to meet your legal obligations. In both cases, in the provision of a safe working environment. Where possible, we would recommend saying that you are justifying processing to meet your legal obligations. Because if you rely on legitimate interests, then you are going to need to carry out a data privacy impact assessment on the changes to the employee privacy policy. Whereas if you say you're doing it because of your legal obligations, then you save yourself that bit of work. The other thing to bear in mind, of course, is that the data you're collecting relating to Top ID 19 is health data and therefore is sensitive data. And so you have a second ground for processing the data, and that is on the basis of health and safety law obligations. It is incumbent on you to inform your employees about how and why their health data is being used and with whom it's being shared in order to comply with the GDPR principle of transparency. And also you need to say how long you're going to retain that data for. And as part of that, but not to be included in the policy, of course, you need to make sure you have a mechanism to ensure that you are only keeping that data for as long as you say that you're going to keep it. The other thing you need to consider is if you've been in the relatively unusual situation during this COVID outbreak of actually interviewing potential employees for new positions, then you need to think of did you collect any data on those applicants when they came to your building related to Job ID 19, i.e. you might have taken their temperature and recorded it, or indeed you may just have recorded the time that they arrived in your building. Either way, you should send a similar short privacy notice to them explaining what data you hold, why you're holding it and how long you're going to hold it for. As always, we'd be delighted to help you if you need any help putting these amendments to your privacy policy together and our contact details are coming up in a few seconds. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312. On Wednesday this week, many non-essential retail shops right across England will reopen after the end of the nationwide COVID-19 lockdown. With many areas of the country being placed in Tier 2, then there are still a lot of COVID-19 requirements to be kept in place. However, just to centre on GDPR implications for the moment, 
If you are the manager or operator of a non-essential store and you are reopening this week and your employees are returning from furlough, you must be careful to avoid excessive data collection in conducting your welcome back talk or similar engagement with your employees. It's important that you as store managers or your HR department record what was discussed in employee meetings, including informal discussions, what captured data is going to be used for and how long that data is going to be stored and who has access to it. Obviously, part of coming back is that you're also going to be judging employee performance and managers should be cautious in the way in which they incorporate employee data into their assessment of employee performance and other decisions around employment. With the pandemic-induced shift to working from home, the use of employee monitoring tools should be approached with caution, with transparency being at the heart of all personal data collection processes the business operates. Businesses should take stock and consider their current data protection practices in relation to employee data, implementing more robust data collection and retention processes where necessary. This is particularly critical in the area of retail, I think, because given the financial impact of COVID-19, we're seeing an increasing number of staff redundancies. And also, as part of that redundancy process, one thing that's being noticed is that many more employees are submitting data subject access requests to their employer. So they want to know what data you hold about them. And of course, you need to be careful that within that data, is there anything which leads to how you made the decision on which staff to be made redundant? Because remember that if there are any automated processes applied to that data and you haven't disclosed them in your employee privacy policy, then you could find yourself in a little bit of a sticky situation. If that is the case for you, we suggest that you contact our help desk at helpdesk.gplwitchyshow.com without delay so that we can provide you with the best possible advice. And finally, as retail establishments, think not just about the data you're collecting from your employees, but the data you're collecting about people coming into your store. Because as we've mentioned several times in previous episodes of GDPR Weekly Show, there's a requirement to retain data for track and trace, but it's important that data is only used for track and trace. So you can't think, oh, now everybody's coming in and they're having to put their name and their email address. I know, we'll send them all a Christmas email, telling them what great offers we've got coming up to Christmas. Well, nice idea, but you'll land yourself in GDPR deep water if you do that, because that's not the reason that people gave that data. So do just stop and think and don't act without thinking. And now, the rest of this week's news. Manchester United have issued an update on their data breach, which we first reported to you in the GDPR Weekly Show last week. They say they are still confident that no fan information has been accessed. However, it is known that within Manchester United, their internal email system is still unusable. Although... The club is as certain as it can be that no user data or no outside user data has been affected. They have reported instant as required to the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, and the National Cyber Security Service has now got involved to help Manchester United investigate what has happened. A spokesperson for Manchester United said the National Cyber Security Centre, NCSC, is aware of an incident affecting Manchester United Football Club and we are working with the organisation and partners to understand the impact. The club would not say who was responsible for the attack or what they thought the motive was. If we receive any further updates, either from Manchester United or the National Cyber Security Centre, we will of course bring them to you in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. 
popular music streaming service Spotify has issued a rolling password reset of some of its user accounts following the discovery of an open database containing user credentials. This week, VPN mentor researchers Noam Rotem and Ran Lothar made their findings public, in which an open Elasticsearch database was found during the firm's web mapping project. The database is understood to be 72 gigabytes in size and contains some 380 million records, including login credentials and other user data being validated against the Spotify service. According to VPN Mentor, the origins of the database are unknown, but it does not belong to the music streaming service itself. Instead, the third party that created the database may have collated the records from other sources. Indeed, they may have been collated from stolen data dumps or another platform and stored for later use to hijack user accounts. Now, it's estimated that roughly 300,000 to 350,000 accounts were involved in the leak, which sounds a lot, but you need to put it into context when you realise that Spotify has some 299 million active monthly users. It's understood that VPN Mentor discovered the database on July the 3rd, and following the review, contacted Spotify on July the 9th. Between July the 10th and July the 21st, Spotify initiated a rolling reset of passwords for users identified in the database, ensuring the username and password combinations, at least on the Spotify platform, would become useless. It's understood that the data included personally identifiable information, countries of residence and login credentials, both usernames and passwords, and all the data was just in plain text. There was no encryption. Our advice would be that if you have an account with Spotify, that you look to change your password as soon as you can, just in case you are one of these affected accounts. And as always, we recommend using different passwords for different services, so that should any service be hacked or intercepted, then your details can't be used to access every single service which you subscribe to. May all your days be merry and bright, and may your Christmas be white. Merry Christmas. Cybersecurity firm Sophos has confirmed its experience a data incident that caused the personal information of some users to be exposed to third parties. Describing the incident in an email notification sent to the affected customers, Sophos said the data was exposed through a tool used by customer support. The tool stores full names, email addresses and phone numbers, if provided, from people contacting customer support, and that data was left exposed due to a misconfiguration in the tool. The company did not say exactly which tool was misconfigured or how many people were actually affected. It only said it remedied the problem and that the data was no longer accessible to unauthorised users. So far, say that the incident affected only a small subset of their customers from no specific region. A spokesperson said, On November the 24th, Sophos was advised of an access permission issue in a tool used to store information on customers who have contacted Sophos support. As a result, some data from a small subset of Sophos customers was exposed. We quickly fixed the issue. Sophos also added that it's implementing additional measures to make sure access permission settings are continuously secure, but for obvious reasons we're not going to further details. I love this show, but I've got GDPR questions and don't know what to do. It's simple. Just follow the instructions coming up and the guys at GDPR Weekly Show will help within 24 hours. All you need to do is email helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com with the details of your GDPR issue and one of our specialists will get straight back to you. Wicked! Thanks, Mike! To France now, and having received several complaints against the Tarfour Group, CNIL, C-N-I-L, the French equivalent to the ICO, has carried out inspections between May and July 2019 at Carrefour France in the retail sector and Carrefour Bank in the banking sector. During these inspections, CNIL found a number of breaches in the processing of customer and potential users' data and consequently imposed a 
two and a quarter million euro fine on Carrefour France and an eight hundred thousand euro fine on Carrefour Bank. The breach is mainly concerning the information provided to individuals and the respect to the rights of such individuals. Senior ruled that the information provided to users of the Carrefour.fr and Carrefour-Bank.fr websites, as well as to people wishing to join the loyalty programme or the pass card, was not easily accessible, so failed the access to information test, nor easily understandable. In addition, it was incomplete with respect to the data retention period. Concerning the Carrefour.fr website, the information was also insufficient with regard to data transfers outside the European Union and the legal basis of data processing. CNIL found that when a user connected to the Carrefour.fr or Carrefour-Bank.fr website, several cookies were automatically stored on his or her PC before any action on his or her part. As several of these cookies were used for advertising purposes, the consent of the user should have been collected before such cookies had been stored on the PC. It also found that Carrefour France did not comply with the data retention periods it itself had set. The data of more than 28 million customers had been inactive for 5 to 10 years were being kept as part of the loyalty programme. The same was true for 750,000 users of the Carrefour.fr website who had been inactive for 5 to 10 years. In addition, the senior considered that a retention period of 4 years for customer data after their last purchase was excessive. According to it, this duration, initially set by the company, exceeds what appears necessary in the mass retail sector given the consumption patterns of clients who make, mainly make regular purchases. And that's an interesting finding and, and that could have ramifications because what it's essentially saying is it's setting what it now considers to be a reasonable time limit on how long stores can retain your information after you last shopped with them. Carrefour also found breach of GDPR because... Except for objections to commercial prospecting, they required proof of identity for any request to exercise any other rights under GDPR. And of course that is not a necessary requirement unless you're satisfying a data subject access request. Senior also found that the company had been unable to process several requests to exercise rights within the deadlines required by GDPR. They found that firstly, Carrefour France had not responded to several requests from individuals wishing to access their personal data, so data subject access request. Secondly, in several cases, the company had not deleted the data, the deletion of which had been requested by several individuals, so the right to be forgotten. And finally, the company did not take into account several requests from individuals who objected to receiving advertising by SMS or email, in particular due to occasional technical errors, so failure to respect consent. Senior also found that Carrefour France had failed to process data fairly. Whenever an individual subscribing to the pass card, which is Carrefour's loyalty card, also wished to join the loyalty programme, he or she had the ticket box indicating that he or she accepted that Carrefour Bank communicated to Carrefour Fidelite his or her last name, first name and email address. Carrefour Bank explicitly indicated that no other data would be transmitted. However, Senior found that other data was transmitted, such as the postal address, the telephone number and the number of children, although the company had undertaken not to transmit any data. Carrefour France challenged the basis of calculation of the fine used by Senior, which in its deliberation included the concept of undertaking in its analysis. It should be recalled that Article 83.5 of GDPR provides the amount of fine imposed for established breaches may amount, in the case of any undertaking, up to 4% of the total worldwide annual turnover of the preceding financial year. However, Senior found that the lead organisation of the Carrefour Group, and in particular of Carrefour France and its subsidiaries, would render any fine imposed on the turnover of Carrefour France alone ineffective. It has therefore decided to, in order to assess the concept of undertaking within the meaning of Article 101 and 102, 
to take into account the turnover achieved by Carrefour France and by its subsidiaries and which have benefited from the data processing. It therefore held that the turnover of the undertaking in the sense of economic unit, serving as the base of calculation to find, amounted to 14.9 billion euros in 2019. Senior said that the companies Carrefour Hypermarche and Carrefour Proximity France benefited from the data processing programme. The marketing department of Carrefour France in fact processes the pooled data of the customers of all those companies, last name, first name, physical and email address, phone number and purchase history, in order to send them personalised advertising for the products sold in the stores. For CNIL, these companies participate in selection of personal data since membership of the loyalty programme is possible directly in stores through paper forms. So, really quite an interesting ruling there from CNIL, and as I said, I think some of it will have implications further across the EU and possibly even back into the UK, even after the 31st of December when we are no longer part of the EU ourselves. So, in January, we will start to look at some of these issues raised by this ruling and offer advice on what you can do to best protect your business against the effects of those rulings. A data breach at NHS Highland in Scotland has led to the personal information of 284 patients with diabetes being shared with more than 30 people. The error, which occurred on Tuesday, November 17th, led to the names, dates of birth, contact information and hospital identification numbers of the patients being revealed. The information had been stored in a spreadsheet and included recorded notes of when patients attended or were offered training. NHS Highland has referred itself to the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, over the incident the following day and has contacted patients affected by a letter. It's understood that no personal information relating to medical history was shared. However, one patient whose details were breached said, I have significant concerns with how NHS Highland has handled this. As a public sector organisation, you expect much stricter controls on information handling, the letter they have sent does not suggest a high degree of ownership of the problem. Knowing there have been previous incidents similar to this does not fill me with great confidence. In a letter to victims of the latest breach, David Park, Deputy Chief Executive of NHS Highland, said that regrettably a data security incident that involves personal patient data had occurred offering his most sincere apologies. He continued, We deeply regret that this incident occurred, adding that a review of internal controls has been undertaken to reduce the risk of this happening in the future. We would highlight that this is the second data breach at Highland NHS. And indeed, one poor man who wishes to remain anonymous, but he's contacted us because he has been affected by both of these two data breaches. The victim was first had their information breached when the names and email addresses of nearly 40 patients living with HIV was revealed by the House Board to other patients. And now, of course, we've got this data breach to other patients. So clearly there is a, a lack of understanding i think of the principles at nhs highland and it's to be hoped that they can correct that very soon david park from nhs highland said we deeply regret that this incident occurred adding that a review of the internal controls is being undertaken to reduce the risk of this happening in the future it's understood that individuals who received the excel spreadsheet containing the confidential information are being requested to delete the file with confirmation sought that the process has been followed through pam dudak NHS Highland's Chief Executive said NHS Highland has directly contacted all the patients affected by this data breach to apologise unreservedly. We have reported the incident to the Information Commissioner and are holding the investigation into this matter. 31 people were sent information of a patient list of 284 people, including contact details and date of birth. No medical information was included other than the name of the clinic. An ICO spokeswoman said, We've been made aware of an incident by NHS Highland and we'll be looking into the details. All organisations have reduced to protect the personal information in their care. 
Regional Member of the Scottish Parliament, David Stewart, has written to NHS Highlands Chief Executive regarding the data breach after being contacted by a patient involved. He said, Data and confidential information of National Health Service patients must be treated in the strictest confidence by those handling it. I am aware that there is tremendous pressure on frontline staff, not only on nurses and clinical staff, but on administration staff due to the pandemic. However, this is serious and the second time in 17 months that NHS Highland data breach has been raised with me. The last time I asked the First Minister in the Scottish Parliament about a breach involving HIV patients, she admitted that clearly there had been failings and the safeguarding of patient data was of utmost importance. I believe the Information Commissioner has been informed of this latest breach and I hope that reassurances can be given once and for all that systems have been changed to stop this happening again. Quite aside from computer records, back in July the House Board logged an investigation after a bag containing COVID-19 tests was found at the side of a road in the Highlands. If we receive any update, either from NHS Highland or from the Information Commissioner's Office, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. What's up, Mike? I'm fed up. I wish I had a new job. Have you tried Jubal? Jubal Jubal.org. We help people find jobs. Great. I'll try it now. To Bristol now, and Bristol City Council has suffered a data breach when the names and email addresses of children who are disabled or have special educational needs have been sent out in a mass email. Parents of affected children were left livid and upset by the data breach which occurred on Monday the 23rd of November. Hundreds reportedly received a message from Bristol City Council with an invitation to take part in the consultation survey. But the recipient list was not hidden on the mass email and we really must emphasise, I know we've emphasised this a number of times in previous episodes of GDPR Weekly Show, but it is by far the most common data breach that we come across. If you are sending an email to people outside of your organisation, make use of BCC, either blind copy, function, email, rather than CC, and you just avoid this problem totally because people receiving the email then cannot see who else you've sent it to. And it is so, so important that you do that. So if you only do one thing this week to improve your data protection and your, your compliance with GDPR, please make it that one. Please instruct all your staff in the use of BCC. It saves everyone a big headache. Back to Bristol and the council director responsible for children and families, Anne James, has apologised to parents and asked everyone who received the email to delete it. In a letter to parents, Ms James acknowledged there was a GDPR breach. She said, this means that personal information was shared this morning which should not have been. We did not use blind carbon copy when sending an email to you this morning. As a result, your child's name and your email address could be viewed by everyone who received the email. The breach was caused by human error, and I apologise unreservedly for any distress this may have caused you or your family. The council has referred the data breach to the Information Commissioner's Office, and they will comply fully with their protocol. Ms James added, I sincerely apologise for this error and want to reassure you that we have taken steps to find out what happened and why to help prevent this happening again. The Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, has said it has launched an investigation. If we receive any update from this, either from Bristol City Council or from the ICO, as always, we'll, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of GDPR Week Show. <laughs> to Hampshire now, and a second data breach has been reported by the trust which runs Winchester Hospital after personal data of a 1,000 members of the staff was shared. Details of the breach, which were reported to the Information Commissioner's Office in July, have come to light in meeting papers published by Hampshire Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. It is the second breach reported to the ICO by this trust between April and September this year. The other breach was discovered by the Basingstoke Gazette, which saw personal details of women who had suffered a stillbirth published online. The trust has now published a report into both incidents to its board of directors, 
detailing what action it's taking as a result. The breach in July saw a spreadsheet containing an unnecessary amount of personal data of 1,000 members of staff shared with senior managers within the trust for them to disseminate across their divisions. The ICO did not take enforcement action but did recommend that the hospital trust makes available to all staff a documented process for checking attachments contained correct information and an ongoing review of the effectiveness of this process. So again, very similar to the data breach we mentioned in the last episode where it was CC and not BCC. Again here, it's about double checking what attachments you attach to an email before you send it. It's a very simple process that so many people just don't do it. In the report, the Trust also made its own recommendations, which included that the team involved review and discuss the data security and protection policy to confirm their understanding, improve communications within the team in respect of allocating tasks, password protecting sensitive data prior to release, improve practices around sending emails, and updating all department policies to include a data security and protection statement. In relation to the Steelburst breach, the Trust apologised for the distress caused to the women affected, which saw their details including previous miscarriages and pregnancy terminations published in online papers. Again, in that case, the ICO decided not to take enforcement action, but instead recommended that the Trust ensure considerations given to redacting material that's made publicly available, depending on its nature and content, and that it reviews its training on checking and redacting. The Trust reported that it looked at the cause of the incident and made its own recommendations, which included having a mandatory procedure for board report papers, tailoring training for Secretariat, creating a mechanism for highlighting that personal or patient data has been included and whether it has been approved by the Director, and the Secretariat contacting a data protection officer for advice when needed. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800-808-5312. To Birmingham in the UK now, and a cyber attack at Headland Group, a UK floor covering distributor, has resulted in the exposure of some data, the company confirmed on Tuesday. Certain back-office systems were affected, including the email system which has now been restored, Headland Group said in a statement. The system containing customer and supplier information was not accessed and the breaches had minimal impact on operations, it added. In a statement posted online, the firm blamed a well-known organisation for the attack but stopped short of actually identifying them. The notice read, external forensic cybersecurity experts have been appointed whose investigations are ongoing. The incident perpetrator is a well-known new organisation in which has carried out multiple such incidents recently. Hedden Group said there is evidence of extraction of a small amount of data it has formed both the UK's Information Commissioner's Office and Law Enforcement. We have approached Hedden Group for a further statement but have not heard anything from them at the time of going to broadcast. If we do receive anything from them, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GD Public Show. To New Zealand now, and the New Zealand cybersecurity watchdog, CERT, said on Saturday that it had contacted thousands of New Zealanders to warn them that their online security may have been jeopardised following a data breach at Australian Nitro PDF. It's understood that the email addresses and hash passwords of about 2.6 million users of Nitro PDF software have been published online. CERT said that among the email addresses used by people registered for the software were more than 4,000 that end with .nz. CERT said it contacted those individuals, but other New Zealanders with email addresses ending in .com may be affected too. All Nitro PDF users were warned to change their Nitro PDF password immediately to something long, strong and unique, and if the same password has been used for anything else, then to change that as well. Stay in. Stay safe. 
to Italy now and the Italian arm of Vodafone is facing a fine of more than 12 and a quarter million euros under the GDPR regulations for aggressive telemarketing practices. The fine, delivered on November the 12th this year, is the third largest handed down by the Italian Data Protection Authority and addresses multiple alleged violations of GDPR. The penalty is the first Vodafone has faced in Italy, but far from the first the company has had levied against it under GDPR. And indeed, just this month, Vodafone in Spain has had four separate penalties imposed on it, totaling some €150,000 for infringements of GDPR there. In Italy, the investigation was triggered by hundreds of complaints of unwanted telephone calls received by Vodafone and its sales network to promote telephone services and internet services. The probe discovered multiple flaws in the way in which Vodafone stored customer information and in the way in which the company handled contact lists purchased from external providers. The details procured from those contact lists were often obtained without users' consent, a violation affecting nearly 4.5 million customers in Italy, it was found. Regarding the unwanted communication, Vodafone said that primarily it had been caused by human error, but the regulator in Italy did not deem that a suitable reason for eliminating responsibility of the company. The violations in this area were assessed as affecting Vodafone Italy's entire customer base. Other aggravating factors in the fine include the significantly negligent nature and recurrence of the misconduct, which is still said to be taking place. As such, the regulator ordered Vodafone to overhaul its telemarketing controls and adapt security measures for access to its databases in order to eliminate or in any case significantly reduce the risk of unauthorised access and processing that does not comply with the purposes of this condition. Further, Vodafone is prohibited from any further processing of personal data required from third parties for promotional and commercial purposes without acquiring free, specific and informed consent from the affected parties. The company has been ordered to communicate its progress with this to the regulator. Vodafone received leniency on the financial penalty for cooperation and the measures it's already adopted to improve audit procedures and security measures. The maximum fine in the case could have been more than €245 million euros had the regulator pursued 4% of annual turnover, as is allowed under GDPR. Vodafone did not reply to a request to comment. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800-808-5312. And finally this week, back to the UK and the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, has reminded firms of their responsibilities to store, use and share their clients' data in a lawful manner. These obligations need particular focus if a firm is changing the way it operates, engages with its customer base, or is merging with a partner organisation due to the current economic pressures. The area is a particular hot topic because of the overlapping investigatory and enforcement powers held by the FCA and the ICO. Firms bear parallel obligations under the FCA handbook as well as, of course, under GDPR and, of course, the UK Data Protection Act 2018. A single data breach can therefore give rise to two separate regulator actions. We're very pleased to say that in our experience, the FCA and the ICO have traditionally worked together very effectively to ensure that the best place to the two deals with a particular incident arising in the middle ground that they share. And a good example of this is the Equifax data breach, which we've mentioned several times previously on the GDPR Weekly Show. And indeed, the ICO has itself shared this latest information from the Financial Conduct Authority via its own social media channels. Yet another podcast in the bank. Subscribe now to not miss our next episode. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurity production.